Kahan is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. Cahen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. Cahen and Little Red Hen – just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Well, welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails. I'm your host, Forrest Whitman. We're all settling into the old caboose back here. The K-H-E-N Caboose, K-H-E-N 106.9 on your FM dial where you can listen to us anytime as a podcast or also on uh, iTunes, anytime you're in that mood. Or uh, if you'd like to, you can listen directly to uh, 106.9 on Sunday morning and Wednesday morning. So, so many opportunities to listen to On the Rails, chit-chat about rails, real people, how rails influence our life, lots of things like that. Anyway, I'm going to kind of kick some kick some coal into this into the old hopper back here in the caboose, so we can kind of warm up a little because it's been kind of chilly lately. It's not real cold, but it's kind of chilly. Now this engine up in the front that pulls us along, I mean, I'll tell you what, it is graced by a real engineer. And that's Rick White. And <laughs> Rick White is up there pulling this whole train this morning. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Forrest. And uh, it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to have you all as listeners. Uh, Forrest has listeners all over the world. And I thought I was a big star. No, not like Forrest. <laughs> But I really uh, want to shout out and tell our listeners that we do these interviews by Zoom. Uh, I'm in the engine in a Zoom, and uh, uh, Forrest is in the caboose. And they're easy for us to do, and we're beginning to get interest from farther places. We invite you to be a guest on our show. And the best place to start that process is at info at khen.org. We'd love to talk to you. We will get back with you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I'm sitting here in the caboose with Patty Latai, and I did have I did have her up on Zoom, but oh, there she is. She's smiling. She, I hope got a good night's sleep last night, so she's here and smiling. Well, I first met her in not in a railroad context at all, but rather in a uh, restorative justice context. And uh, she was a director of, of a large restorative justice uh, organization. We got trained by her and 
some others. She's holding something up. It's a certificate. What does it say? Full circle uh, restorative justice. One of our former brochures. Oh, she's got a brochure. And full circle restorative justice did some remarkable work. I mean, we kept people out of uh, being submerged in the legal system. And that's what so happened to people. They, they would be going along with their life, be charged with something, and they're gone. They're just lost to us. They're in that system, and there's often no way to get a hold of them. And um, so it's really, really good to, if we can do that. We, uh, during her directorship, what we call Patty, a directorship, during her directorship, it was it was busy. It was busy every day. Uh, the, the district attorneys sent us people. Uh, we got people from the cops. We got people from the schools. I think really kept a lot of people out of the uh, morass of the, the legal system. Oh, Patty, do you want to say a little more about that? Yeah, thank you. Hello, everybody. I would say that Forrest and I and many other amazing volunteers were riding that peace train. We were on board and sharing our skills and talents and compassion and caring to help individuals um, learn different types of conflict resolution. Specifically, Forrest and I worked together and helping mainly young people stay out of the formalized juvenile justice system by utilizing a form of uh, mediation, conflict mediation, which is called restorative justice, in which we work with not only the individual who caused the harm, which would say that, you know, many of the juveniles who were entering into the justice system who did not make the best choices, you know, had an opportunity to avoid getting a record, as Forrest said, by going through this process in which they were willing to take accountability for their own choices and behaviors. And they were also um, willing to meet with the person they harmed, the victim. And in doing so, we were able to create a safe space for dialogue and to allow the person who did the harm and the person who was harmed, the victim, the offender, in the terms of the juvenile justice system. You know, we had the opportunity to work with them, facilitate dialogue and have them uh, design their own um, way to make it right to repair the harm. And so we were really fortunate to um, work in the capacity as individuals guiding the restorative justice process along. And we were super grateful to have Forrest with us because Forrest speaks Spanish fluently. And he definitely was a huge asset and a gift to our um, our Hispanic and Spanish-speaking population that we have here in Chafee County, Salida, Colorado. No me da flores, pero puedo platicar un poco, un poco. Now, our, our engineer up in the head end, and he had something he wanted to say. Yeah, yes, he was sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, Patty, that was beautiful. And I, I can't believe, I don't know how many of these shows Forrest and I have done, but we've done a lot. And it's the first time, I believe, that the peace train has come up. And so uh, thank you for bringing the peace train uh -huh. on the rails. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I do have that video to to send you. I think, you know, maybe playing that a little later in the show would be a, a good idea. Playing for change. It's a 
conglomeration of individuals all over the world, musicians who play the same song together, but they're they're coming in from Costa Rica and from Canada, United States, and they all come and merge their songs together. And it's pretty, it's really inspiring, actually. And I'll send you that during our break. Okay, Rick? Okay. But yeah, so uh, riding the peace train, um, I was executive director for 14 years. I had the most amazing group of volunteers, a powerhouse of volunteers. Colorado itself is known for its um, support and legislation um, supporting restorative justice practices. For me, one of the most um, important contributions that I was able to offer to the field was um, bringing in therapy dogs to work with our young people and our families and um, inmates and people that we were able to share the Pause for Peace program with, which, oh, I have another visual here. There's Um, that visual, yeah. There's the visual. Um, So the Pause for Peace program was known as, well, Pause for Peace, and it was enhancing restorative practices with therapy dogs. And we were able to train and utilize therapy dog teams of Chafee County, who was super supportive of the work that we were doing, and our incredible volunteers who would go through the traditional like 40 hours of restorative justice facilitator training and they would bring their dogs and then they would be a trained team that would be part of our restorative justice circles and they would complement and support the circle process by providing canine connections and you know promoting the human animal bond as well as helping act as a community member to support the facilitators in in the RJ, restorative justice process. So that was the big thing that originated here in Salida, Colorado. We were the first program in the U.S., if not the world, to start with um, bringing a collaboration between uh, uh, species, really, between animals and um, and people in need of a level of connection and comfort and, you know, have that available for our families and community members here in, in Chafee County. It's been a wonderful thing. And now, a lot of these dogs then sort of branched out. The thing became popular. Some of these dogs would show up in courtroom settings. Some of these, some of the, yeah, some of these dogs would show up in, in school, school settings and so on. And that became very popular. And now my understanding is the prison one of the prisons here has a, an elective uh, program, and you can actually—I don't know how you earn earn good time, but in prison. But that's one way you can earn it is by participating in. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You mean in restorative justice or in yes. like working? With, yeah. Um, you know, that's the interesting thing is that they really didn't earn credits or anything. It was a voluntary decision to be part of RJ and to hold themselves accountable. And so it really didn't register on their probation or their parole because RJ has to be from the heart. If individuals are already incarcerated or sentenced, it didn't really impact what their sentencing was going to be. It just was able to provide a level of peace of mind and um, an empathy and a connection with the individual they harmed so that they had the opportunity to make it right. Yes. And how important that was for particularly people who are doing time. 
to have a sense that on the outside that somebody out there cared about it, wanted to know what what their future really was. And I can't tell you the times we would hear from people, particularly inmates who are very, just very delighted, really, to have that, that chance. And the other existed, too. We had some, see any need for that. And that's out there, too, of course. You know, you have to be a certain type of person who's willing to own your stuff and walk your talk. And um, and sure. I think, you know, if individuals doing some long time, you know, to have peace of mind and to put things right, it could really change their perspective and um, and even their daily routine in the prison because they were able to find some kind of resolution to what had happened. And, and let's just say this right off the bat. 90-something percent of the individuals who are incarcerated were uh, using drugs or alcohol and were, you know, impaired at the time of their crime, okay? So they're completely different people when they, um, when, you know, when, when they, they sober up. Sober and, up, yeah. 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 And that is, it was seen certainly in their, um, their, their helper animals, certainly mm-hmm. in their dogs. In fact, I, I gather it took quite a while. For some of these dogs, you get to the point where they really were trusting their own human caretakers, so to speak, and that that was yeah. a big part. And a couple of our couple of our trainers would bring their dogs, their two very fun dogs, to some of those sessions too, which was which was good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to some of our teams, you know, who may, may be listening in, if I could. Um, we, you know, we have, I've actually listed them in my book. So this is the book that I wrote, the pause for peace program. And it's basically uh, talks about the origin of our, um, um, developing the pause for peace approach and programming. And then also our therapy dog teams, which, you know, we were really fortunate to have. And, you know, Terry Bolte was with Dolores, um, and oh, I have pictures too, so I can show this yeah. one team. We know them. She was a uh, she worked for the public defender's office as a private investigator. And then we have Greg and Ruth Phillips with Abby. Greg and Ruth are amazing. They actually drove Abby and themselves all the way to Oakland, California, for us to attend a conference and present on. The Pause for Peace programming yes. in justice. I mean, that was pretty impressive. That was pretty impressive indeed. And there they are, were telling me about their discussions with Amtrak about Abby, Abby the dog, that is. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get back to that in a little bit, but let's yeah. let's continue on. Oh, so the- here's Sue Armijo and Ringo, who unfortunately passed recently, but they were a wonderful therapy dog team as well. And these are all local people in um, Salida and BV and Buena Vista. Here's Debbie Gawa and Emma, who they live down in Howard. Um, and these are, I mean, these people made a huge commitment to be part of this and, and to utilize the therapy dogs in, in RJ. Here's Paula and, and her dog, Keat. Um, and these are all different breeds of dogs, by the way, if you cannot see this. Um, these are, Akit was rescued. She was on the Kaibab Trail out in Utah and um, was alone and hungry. And um, 
followed her her new who became her new um, guardians. Which, but you see that the other thing we have to we always say we're going to signal from the we got a signal from the head end. Head oh, end. What did you want to say? Yeah. Are these dogs uh, trained to be? Is there training involved? They're not service dogs. Service dogs are to support um, disabled individuals to do um, daily activities. Sure. These are these are certified therapy dogs in which they go through testing and a certification process, meaning that they're checked for temperament and how they interact and the level of connection they have with humans. And so they go through, they go through different, like to a nursing home and to a hospital and to an RJ circle and to like Murdoch's, a, you know, a very busy store. And they're, they're tested on how they deal with noise and interactions. And once they pass the test, like I, my little dog, Carmelita, was my partner in peace for years. Her initial hesitation with her being a therapy dog was she didn't like individuals playing with her ears. When you bring the dogs to the schools and stuff, the kids want to play with the dogs and they want to play with ears. So we had to work on that. We had lots of people come and play with their ears. And then two weeks later, she retested and she passed and she was a natural. Yeah. So, um, so yes, so they and they have to be certified and insured um, therapy dogs and like basically licensed. And then we were able to get coverage from insurance. Um, just in case, not that there was ever any incident uh, with having the dogs as part of the circle. Well, yeah. the engineer here, he lives with a Doberman who's uh, oh. years old, and he's one of the kindest dogs I've ever known. He loves company. It seems like he could be a candidate. I'd like to learn a little bit more about this. Rick, I'll be glad to give you one of these, uh, one of my books, because yeah. that'll kind of lay out, you know, what it takes to be a therapy dog and what's expected yeah. and um, and then a, more about you know our history of uh, the restorative justice uh, programming and stuff yeah. here very good and the, the book by the way if you're just wandering along uh, the street by the little bookstore downtown they've got it mm -hmm. and it's not expensive at all i forget what it was i don't remember nine bucks something like that it was very well, expensive yeah. 12 months, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, anymore, well, that's the thing. Everything. She said she'd give me one for us. I oh. would. I would give that one to you, Rick. You deserve it. Dude, you're probably But it is, it is listed on Amazon, too. It's on Amazon, and it's on the publisher's page, Rights with Light, um, who are my amazing local Colorado-based publishing company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, which is part of it. And also, it's worth... I think worth mentioning that increasingly the courts are understanding this need and, and making it dog friendly in mm -hmm. some good way. As far as the, the railroads are concerned, it's still rather up in the air. They're concerned, and I think rightly so, that uh, if something were to happen, they'd be standing for obviously a big lawsuit. And they get sued all the time. That's we're a funny country. We just sue each other rather know. than rather than trying to work something out. We just go to court. Off we go to court. It's lawyer up. Got a lawyer and, up. Yeah. yeah. It's a very adversarial system yeah. um, instead of doing a restorative system approach, which is what we offer. Or you know, full circle restorative justice is still it's in operation. 
in um, in serving five different towns, you know, in the judicial district. And and speaking about trains, though, you know, I actually looked into taking my little dog under 20 pounds um, on the train, Amtrak, and they told me that they she would have to go into a kennel that would be put in storage. But you're not talking. Yeah, you're not terrible. I know you're not talking planes that, you know, okay, four or five hours. Okay. You're talking like 12 hour, 15 hour, 24 hour trips. And so no one wants to leave their, their animal, their pet, the companion in, you know, in this baggage compartment for that amount of time. I think it's unrealistic and it's cruel. So, so, and plus though, what I found in traveling with my, um, with my dog, Carmelita, and I've traveled with her to Mexico and to uh, Canada and, and all over the United States, was that um, she was an ESA, so emotionally support animal. But in addition to that, she was a um, therapy dog. And once I said that she was a therapy dog, then people seemed more willing to allow her presence, like not in a kennel and stuff, but on my lap or, you know, as part of, you know, being a traveling companion. So, but, you know, I found the trains were... They were mixed on that. And they, you're like you said, Forrest, they're like, they're not quite sure. And maybe we could bring little dogs in carriers and put them under our seat. I don't know right now what the status is on that. So, And so much depends on the individual crew mm-hmm. uh, as well. Let's see. The last time I saw a dog on a train was in New Mexico, maybe three, four, maybe five years ago. And that dog spent its entire time pretty much on the lap of of its owner. Mm-hmm. And the crew was just fine with it. Mm-hmm. No, they had no problems at all. Uh, and but this other thing, as you're saying, this, some other some other crews say no, has to be in a a case. And in, as you say, in some cases, for a larger dog, it has to even be in the baggage compartment, mm-hmm. which that's just ridiculous. I mean, look at Europe. I mean, you go to Europe and you see they're in restaurants with people, they're riding buses with people, they're on trains. But it is our society, like you said, like if there is an issue, someone's going to sue and there's going to be money, you know, that's going to be, you know, a large amount of money maybe. And so they don't want to take that risk. And that that makes the world more unpleasant for, for everyone. That's what I think. Yeah, it is very strange too. And that, uh, well, you know what? We, here we are uh, on the rails. We've got a, maybe another couple of minutes in this mm-hmm. segment before we uh, begin to damp the fire down here in the old caboose. We're not going to let it go out. We're going to keep the fire in the caboose while we're while we're rolling along here, talking more with Patty Latai, who for a long time was uh, a dedicated worker in the uh, the whole area of restorative justice, not just her book, which. We, you know, we had up here on restorative justice, but also uh, in in the in courtroom situations, which there it had its ups and downs, for sure. We're not going to talk much about the downs, but well, they were not downs, but occasionally we'd have a a circle that just didn't work out. We'd get the person who did the harm, person who felt harmed, and get the guy and get them in the circle, uh, talking some and. The nice thing about particularly her dog, her dog would go up to people who had been harmed so that they could pet her and, you know, talk to her 
and they would talk directly to to the therapy dog, you see, and uh, that was uh, was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. We we've got to wrap this segment up. My goodness, we've got so many more questions to answer, and we will answer them. But in the meantime, I think we're going to let segment one here of on the rails stream off down the rails. We can give it a little highball. Should we give it a little highball to get it rolling? Yeah, we'll do it on the count of three. We'll do a little highball. One, two, three. Highball! 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 Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889.